back everyone for another episode of the team blaney podcast my name is adam rogers and alongside me as always is co-host steve menz if it's the first time you're listening to this podcast it is brought to you by fans for fans steve and i have been following the blaney racing family for two decades and team blaney itself has been providing news notes and analysis to fans on social media since 2014 so go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of ryan blaney's run in the toyota owners 400 at richmond raceway Steve, stop the presses. We're going to have to hold off on your recap because I think we have something more important to talk about. I think we should go ahead and welcome back for the first time this season on the Team Blaney podcast, Ryan Blaney spotter, Josh Williams to the program. Thanks for having me. First time this year with the new card and everything. So a lot to talk about, I think. There really, really is. So I just want to throw some stats at you that you probably already know and you're probably sick of hearing about, but um, four straight front row starts three straight polls and qualifying sessions that have been held. Ryan's led the most laps with 334 tied for first with three stage wins yet to pull into victory lane this year with that 12 car. What do you think is just that next little thing you guys need to do to get over the hump and, and finally get there? Cause we know you can get there. You got there three times last year, um, but everything else is hitting on all cylinders. What do you got to do to get there? Yeah, I think honestly, everything's going well the last few weeks, just got to finish first. Kane uh, got to pass more cars than pass us, I guess, especially starting up front like that. So I don't know, just putting a whole race together, learning the new car at new tracks is kind of hard to do that because you don't really know how the tracks are going to going to act during the races and how it's going to change um, certain pit stops and just certain strategies, stuff like that. Like we saw last week, it's a little different than we're used to. So it's just putting the whole race together and being there at the end. Like we've obviously had a lot of speed, but still just learning the whole car and, the way everything works with the car and lug nuts and pit stops and restarts and everything. It's just been different. So a lot to learn, but we've got the speed to do it. Just need to finish one off. What's uh, what's it like spotting from the front more often than, than from, you know, like, I mean, really leading, leading a lot of these restarts and stuff. Is it a lot different? Um, It depends on the track. Like last week, starting up front of Richmond, I mean, take the green and you're pretty much just trying to give gaps to go as slow as you can to save your tires versus if you're up front at a restart at Atlanta now or Daytona, it's a lot more happening. So I don't know. I'd rather be leading any day trying to hold them off. Um, but it's not a lot. Leading is not a lot different than the old car. I would say being in the pack is a lot different with arrow and trying to move your car around and just things happening a lot quicker that you don't expect. So that, that's a different thing that we're learning every week as we go, but I don't think leading is that much different. I'll, I'll take leading any day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought up Atlanta and I can kind of just give you the, from the fan perspective. So I've been to, you know, probably 20 some races at Daytona. So there, you know, the two and a half mile track or whatever, the, the car comes, the cars come past you in this huge pack. And then you kind of have like a, you know, it seems like a couple of minutes to wait, catch your breath. And then they come back around again. We go to see this race at Atlanta and I'd been at Atlanta in the prior version of the track. So much different, so to me, it was just like, it was just like pack, 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 just nonstop, like sensory overload. 
I can't even imagine what your your nerves, your voice, everything was like after that race, especially at the length that it was. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges it was just going there and spotting something completely different? Absolutely. I was fried after that race. Um, I would say the hardest part is like at Daytona you have. We're just going to use guesses, but back straight away, it takes eight seconds to go down. So you see something coming for three or four seconds and you guard it into three and that's it. The backstretch at Atlanta takes three or four seconds to happen. So everything's happened twice as quick. So all the information you're feeding is happening twice as quick. And then on top of that, the Atlanta race is twice as long as the summer race at Daytona. So you're running 325 laps versus 160. So you have information happening twice as fast and you're doing it twice as much. So that was an extremely long race and hard to stay in it the whole time, honestly, mentally and just everything that's happening. Um, one funny thing, Daytona, I normally use three batteries, probably Atlanta. I was on my seventh battery. So, so <laughs> for how much was talking, how much talking was going on, it was a lot of information. And even then you feel like you can't give enough. So it was pretty, pretty interesting. The runs come a lot faster there too, correct? There was the, the it was a lot harder to guard a run. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just quicker. It's just Daytona it takes a straightaway to do it. Well, the straightaway, like I said, Atlanta's twice as short, right? So that run that you normally can see for three or four seconds happens in one or two seconds. So it's just a lot quicker to happen like that. And also you get Daytona, everybody's around the bottom 90% of the time. So that run goes to the outside, which slows it down. Well, Atlanta for momentum, you're up in the middle of the track. So when that run goes to the bottom, it's even quicker turning out of line to do that. So it was definitely a challenge. I think we were in a good spot. It just didn't pan out on the last lap. One crazy moment from the Atlanta race that left me dumbfounded when it happened was when the front row motorsports cars split the pack. I, I know you don't have that, probably didn't have that much time to register what was happening, but when I saw it, I just thought disaster was about to happen, and it did eventually for Cody Ware. But yeah. what was going through your mind when you saw the, them kind of go in different directions? Um, what was going through my mind was I spot for that team and truck, so I needed yep. to not <laughs> anything bad on the radio. That's what was going through my mind, but I've seen I've seen smarter moves when the pack catches you. I'll leave it at that. That was, that was a little crazy and aggressive, I guess, but... It didn't work out either. Yeah, I think if it was at Daytona or Talladega, a bit definitely at least Talladega, where it's a little, just a tiny bit wider than what they had at Atlanta, it would have worked out a little bit better. But I just thought it was going to be a complete disaster. So, yeah, um, I, I think a lot of that goes back to Atlanta being twice as quick as well. I think at Daytona, they both kind of can get on the same page quicker as it's happening. And then one guy makes one move, and next thing you know, the pack's already there, and you're kind of just in no man's land, and the other guy couldn't react to that. So it kind of put them in two different lanes at the same time that way too so it was probably a lot of things that could be learned from that situation to do something smarter the next time so the the july race that's coming up at atlanta just in comparison to this one at least it's going to be 100 miles less i know when we were just there um super sunny outside but it wasn't necessarily hot i know when we get there in july it's going to be hot you're saying you're already fried at the end of this this past race is, is there anything do we need to get some extra body armors up to you on the roof or something i did, we yes. just want to make sure you make it through in the all, sun all the body armors absolutely i'll take them all it's it's still going to be it's the same thing it's so many laps you don't really realize it's 100 laps shorter 100 miles shorter whatever it is so it's still a lot of a lot of information happening so this past week at Richmond um, it was one of the things I tweeted out during the race was we saw 
um, at least what I would say caught on camera, one of the rare Ryan Blaney retaliation moments. Um, we don't see it very often. I, I'd like to feel like, you know, he kind of grew up in this racing family, especially knowing his grandfather and his dad, um, who have a lot of respect for their equipment. Um, he doesn't usually make too many dumb moves, wants to kind of protect the car, knowing the bigger picture. Um, but there was this incident where he kind of got, at least he described it as kind of getting loose under Chastain. Chastain didn't really liked it, sent him. And Ryan said, and Ryan has said it before, I'm going to send him the next time I, I see him. And he doesn't usually do it, but he actually did it this time. Did, were you were you kind of surprised that he did? Or is, is there anything that, that, that goes through your mind um, when that possibility is coming back up, when they come up behind that car again? Um, some other times I'm surprised he doesn't do it because yeah. I think it deserves it. I would say this situation, they don't show the corner before that we get loose underneath him when we're underneath him and he chops our nose off and mm. moves himself up the hill the first time. Mm -hmm. So I think it that replay was rewound about 20 more seconds. So it put a lot more into context. So, no, I'm not surprised that he retaliated um, because he got hit twice <laughs> and mm. only slid up once. So I'm not surprised at that. But a lot of times you get chances to – I don't know, cool down and put in the pass and it bigger picture at the end of the day. But sometimes it's like that situation where you're running fourth or fifth and it's not going as great as it had the first little bit of the race. And it's really on your mind. And you, you have a lot of chances to, I want to say retaliate, but you have a lot of chances to make somebody's day tougher. So that was probably some of that was a little frustration from everything, but also what happened in the corner before that, that they didn't really talk about. Are these frustrations going to carry over? Um, the schedule's changed a little bit and you've got short track, short track, short track, three in a row. Do you think next week or even the week after that, we're going to see guys, Ryan included in that, who might get next to somebody they've been in a tussle with and go a little further? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like most guys have a pretty long memory, but a short few. So they kind of get it out of them in one race and it's kind of you reset and go on and move about your business. You can't, can't hold grudges for 38 weeks a year. You'll never get over them. So I would say it's probably, you might race the guy harder, but I don't see, you're not going to see guys just going in the corners and moving them out of the way for the next five weeks, something like that. So this specific incident with Chastain, NASCAR, their social media accounts actually put together a little video that played a lot of the radio exchange between you and Ryan and everything that was going on. And they really played up the, the phrase, like when you said like, whatever you have to do, I'm pretty sure that was you, right? Now I took it as they kind of took that out of context. I feel like, I don't know, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like you were mainly saying, you know, whatever he has to do move wise to keep the momentum going. They seemed like they really posed it as like, go ahead and go up and dump them. If you feel like it, now you can plead the fifth if that's what that really was, but <laughs> okay, plead the fifth. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. No, I think that was, that was mild compared to what, what some other teams have done in the past. So, but I thought that was interesting because uh, yeah. well, I know they, I'll, they can take, I'll be honest. I've seen, yeah, no, it was, yeah, I'll plead the fifth on that, but <laughs> I've seen the whole thing happen for three laps, so I feel like we were wronged, and then we got retaliated for it when I was like, that's not really how i seen it, so whatever you got to do. There was something back. later on afterward about the, the brakes being a little soft anyway, so that could that could have been part of the reason why you got into them. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah. On, on, on the restart. Yeah, we were struggling brakes on that one lap of the restart, yep. Mm-hmm. So with the speed that uh, the 12 teams had in the car all year long, especially really early on, it really, you talked about this new car just in general, it really seems Ryan's adapted to this new car amazingly. Um, much better than maybe I could even have imagined he was going to. 
So because of that, especially early on, early races, he wasn't really asking for a ton of adjustments, wasn't really getting too frustrated. He got a little frustrated on the radio kind of overall this last race for the first time, I thought, really in a while. I think we've talked to you about this before, but how do you try to channel some of that frustration into seeing the bigger picture or you know, making sure Ryan's kind of focused? I know you kind of have to take that on uh, on yourself a little bit to keep him, to keep coming, calming him down. How do you do that? Yeah, Yeah, I would say a lot of it any frustration at Richmond this week was like, there's so many different strategies. You don't really know where you are in the race with some guys doing two stops. Some guys only doing one. Like we were on the one stop strategy to the end and he was fired up about it. But a lot of that was because we were on 30 lap older tires and other people getting our doors blown off. And he was like, what's wrong with my speed? What do I need to do? And it's just relaying enough information to kind of like, this is the broader picture of everything that's happening. And where you really are in the race. Cause at one point he's like tires are falling off and didn't feel like it was going very well. But for the people in our same strategy, we were running pretty good lap times. But when you're getting passed by people that are running 25th on new tires, it kind of makes you feel like you're in the way and you're really falling off when grand scheme of things for your strategy, you're still doing pretty well. So I was saying a lot of that's just more information because it's hard when you're in the car, you have a narrow view of, the whole situation of the race versus what Hassler has on the, on the pit box for sure. Like he's got a way broader scale than even I have, but he relays a lot of that to me. And then I can try to relay that to the more information you have, the more you can kind of zoom out and see everything that's happening. I feel like, so that was a lot of this week. I think that was what made it better. It was times that so many different strategies, it's easy to get frustrated, but once you kind of see what's happening, it's a little easier to understand. So as a fan I kind of like these strategy races sometimes because I like just seeing how different teams tackle the race. For you, do you have a preference? This was the first time in a long time we actually got to see a full strategy race play out without there being a caution or something where Steve and I are always talking about, man, I wish we could just see some more long green flag runs and more green flag pit stops. And we got that. I think they doubled the amount of green flag stops that we've gotten all year just in this race alone. So would you rather see more cautions and more restarts or do you actually like to see a a whole race strategy play out? I I love watching the races play out like that. I like it when it goes green for 200 laps when it's, when it's, when it can, and you have green flag stops and people can adjust on their cars through green flag stops because your car handles differently on a refire under green versus a caution stop. So I love the way that plays out. Um, we've kind of got away from that the last few years because of stages, you really don't get many multiple pit stops like that, like we did this week. Um, so it's fun when that plays out, it's more fun when you're the one with the fresher tires and not getting passed (laughs) by 35 cars every 15 laps. That's more fun, but it's definitely fun to keep up with. And like, I think we saw Sunday, like Danny probably wasn't the best car, but he had the best strategy, best car of the people on his strategy. So that helped him to win it. So it's fun to keep up with and just different ways to make it work for you. Like it did for them. Yeah. I think strategy wise, I know we jumped ahead to Richmond, but let's jump back a week to Coda where I think, uh, at the end of that race, if, if they would have just gone on a few more laps to where you guys could have pitted under green, I think the strategy really would have played out for the, the 12 team. So this is the first time we got to go back to Circuit of the Americas where it wasn't a complete monsoon for the weekend. Um, did you think that, that the racing there and just the, the way it played out, um, was it what you kind of had expected uh, to go on there in the, in the dry conditions as opposed to trying to run through the rain? Yeah, I would say so. It was definitely more enjoyable 
with it being dry and actually having some green flag laps and being able to see parts of the track that you're trying to work in. But I would say the first 80% of that race is what I expected. And then we had all those cautions with yeah. eight to go and it gets down to green white checkers that it turns into just not getting wrecked and maintaining where you're at more than actually racing, I guess. So I would say majority of that race was more what I expected, but it still turned into just survival at the end. You had a couple other people helping you spot that race, but I'm pretty sure you're, you're, uh, you're responsible for going the, the area going into turn one, correct? Yeah. I got turn one to four and then like 16 to 20. So could you really even do anything with turn one or is it more of just a, a prey every prey every time they go into it? hundred percent prey. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was pretty much said I wouldn't be able to see it before we started. Then we started, I'm like, I really can't see it. So like the last three or four restarts, I'm like, just go as far left as you can and nobody can get to your left and we're good. Yeah. But they come up the hill and all you can see is windshields and grills. And if you're not the first three or four cars coming up the hill, you're behind that car that you can only see the windshield on. So it's impossible until they turn in. Now I know the cars look pretty much similar to the old cars, but they are shaped a little bit differently. Is there any new challenges in, in kind of seeing these cars? I mean, just me, I was talking to Steve about, it seems like the hoods are a little bit harder to see sometimes. Is it any, any different for you guys or you guys have such a good vantage point at most tracks uh, to where everything's are, everything seems okay. I would say Daytona, I definitely noticed it was harder because of the number placement. Okay. So you can't see what the center of the car is off of the door. You oh, see the number okay. four. So it's hard. Like it took a while in Daytona to get used to that. And then I would say some other places it's been hard with certain paint schemes. People run like those reflective numbers and stuff now. I was just going to ask about the chrome numbers, what you thought about yeah, that. Yeah. It's really hard to see those. So like it'll, from our angle, the chrome reflector goes to the asphalt. So it's basically a black reflecting into the chrome, not a sun or sky if you were down eye level with it so it makes the numbers really dark so there's a lot of times like i've been wrong on numbers more this year than probably ever and like down the back i'm like that's so and so and they come down the front i'm like no it's not <laughs> so it's, it's a lot harder to tell numbers and i've gotten used to the cars like the cars and the speed of them and the shape of them all that kind of stuff i've gotten used to but it's still hard to see numbers when you're kind of packed up like we've been at a lot of restarts and you're trying to give numbers for you know who's who the guy is behind you so you mentioned jonathan hassler a little bit earlier um obviously this is your first season working together you guys are with todd gordon um and then you've had some other crew chiefs along the way what's it been like transitioning to work with jonathan hassler and how is he maybe different than than other crew chiefs that ryan and you guys have dealt with in the past or worked with in the um, past yeah i feel like just going from Todd to Jonathan, Todd's the elder deep voice dad of the group, I guess you could say yeah. like love Todd to death, but that's, that's who Todd was. He was kind of the general and told everybody what they were going to do. And it was by the book that way. Hassler has a lot of that in him, but he's more, he's a little younger and kind of more one of the guys. So he's kind of still growing into the leadership position of that, I would say, but it's been awesome to work with. Um, really smart. Like, I feel like a lot of our cars being so fast is before you ever get there with things that Hassel and them have done before we ever get to the track. So I feel like it's got a lot of upside to it. I feel like we're going to be really good just once we go through races and adjustments and just getting, just getting used to the car and just the racing aspect of it. So I've enjoyed working with Jonathan the first six or seven weeks where I've been. It's been really awesome and a lot of communication with me, which I like. 
The cars have this, been. Uh, go ahead, Steve. I was I was going to say this week coming up is uh, is Martinsville, and I want I want to talk about Martinsville a little bit because this this is your home track, and I know we haven't talked to you since last season on here, and you have a clock now uh, from uh, from Zane last year, and uh, just uh, you know the, the different car and everything now. I mean, is it still something that we can look for this weekend? That you know, it's a good possibility that we can get that car up front. I think so. I don't think, I think Martinsville more than anywhere, it's going to drive more like it used to. I think the brakes on the new car are a little bit better. So you might get in the corners a little bit better, but I still think it's going to be around the bottom and managing your stuff. So yes, I do have a clock, but it'd be really cool to have two of them. Mm-hmm. I like to hear them beating every hour. It'd be cool. And you and Zane have had a lot of success so far this year. Obviously, I mean, we are, we've talked about your skills spotting at super speedways and that's that you guys kicked off the season right away uh, with the, with the win at Daytona and have been close to, uh, to some more. And uh, how, how are things going on the truck series side of things this year? It's been great. Um, you know, we moved over to front row with that 38 truck and it's been extremely fast. Like, in the last year, Zane didn't really know what he was doing. And he actually told me, like, if you get any of offers, you can do them. And kind of talked to a couple people because they didn't know where he was going to go. And then he told me, like, he's doing the 38 truck. I'm like, I thought that was probably the fastest truck the second half of last year. Yep. So it was, like, perfect. Like, let's do it. And mm-hmm. came out this year, and it hasn't really been any learning each other, growing pains with that whole team. Like, everybody, everybody on that deal is really close friends. And I feel like zane's one of their guys that hangs out with them all the time and we've had really good speed every week i don't think there's been a race that we haven't had a legit shot of winning so it's been a lot of fun so far hopefully we can keep that up and actually finish it off at home or at phoenix this year yeah i think it'd be great if you guys got two clocks this this weekend i think that'll that'll be nice take them all i'm gonna line them up all the clocks. my girlfriend's gonna hate it but they're gonna be (laughs) so speaking of her um steve and i have been really excited this year because um srx the superstar race experience series announced that they're going to be racing at ryan blaney and the blaney family's racetrack sharon speedway in ohio so we've been really following the announcements that have come along with that series and then along the way we kind of discovered that there's another blaney-esque connection to that series and that is through you and uh your better half Brittany zamora um who is, I don't know, I don't want to call you an up-and-comer because you're a pretty established uh, short track racer in the, in the pro late model rakes. But, but Brittany, you have an opportunity here to possibly race at Nashville Fairground Speedway against some of, the, some of the racing's legends there in the SRX series. If you can win a fan vote, are you excited about this opportunity? That's the hard part is it's all based off of a fan vote, but it is a really exciting opportunity. Um, you know, I moved to Nashville and got a race there for a little bit, became the first female to win a premier division race on the five eights. So that track is automatically one of my favorites. I feel like if you win somewhere, you it automatically goes to the top of your list. Um, but it's just a really cool opportunity. The SRX series has gained a lot of attention last year. And I think they just have a really cool platform going with the names that they're bringing into the series and what they're doing, traveling to all these tracks. So to be in the running is pretty cool. They did um, a little update on where we stand in the poll and I'm second right now. So out of six, which is a really good start to it. I feel like it's a long vote. It goes for a month. So, you know, to be up there this soon is pretty cool. 
So like I was saying, you're pretty established in your career so far. You started out, you just you just mentioned you just moved kind of east, but you started out in the Pacific Northwest. You ran the Northwest Super Late Model Tour uh, where you won some races out there. You've made ARCA East and West starts. You mentioned that big win last year at Nashville Fairgrounds where you're trying to win. Um, can you talk a little about what your season looks like this year? You're still, you're running with that Rackley War team. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm going to do the full series down at Montgomery, Alabama. And for the Show Me the Money series, we're going to go for a championship. So um, as you mentioned, I had those two touring championships up in the Northwest. So it's kind of my chance to come out here and show that I can do it out here too. So it's going to be tough. The first race of the year was the Alabama 200 and you had some of the biggest names in late model racing out there, but it just makes you as a better driver and it's going to help prepare me for the rest of the season. So it's just, you know, a lot, a lot of potential good things are going to happen this year. So if it all just works out in our favor. Now, did you specifically, you specifically moved out East because this is kind of the, the hotbed for pro late model, super late model racing. Do you think that you're going to extend beyond just some of these Montgomery starts? You think you'll pick up anything else that's around up and down the East coast or still TBD on that? Yeah, it's still to be determined. Um, I want to do some more races over at Nashville in the pro late model. Um, I feel like every time we've been there, we've gotten better. So just trying to carry that momentum and it's just a fun track and a fun environment and like everybody likes Nashville, right? <laughs> but um, it's just a really cool track, and that's where the team is based out of. So um, if we could just get back there, that'd be pretty cool. So one other exciting thing that's kind of happened to you and, and several other women in the sport is you've kind of picked up this uh, sponsorship or this program through one of the major sponsors in NASCAR, and that's Bush Light. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so what they're doing is they're just trying to help us females get into the higher levels of NASCAR. Um, their main focus right now is that there's zero girls in the cup series. And we know that we have the potential to be there and we have the skills to be there. So it's just getting that sponsorship and helping us get to the top series, you know, with only 40 ish drivers in the top level of racing, it's slim pickings anyways. So it's going to be hard for anybody to get in, but just to know that Bush light and bringing in the history that they have with NASCAR, and giving us this platform, it's really just cool to be a part of it. And we'll, we'll see what we can do with it this year. So you've been in the, in the pro late models. Um, do you have any other interests in running anything else like touring cars or IMSA, um, dirt racing? <laughs> Obviously that's becoming a bigger part of uh, some things that NASCAR drivers are doing. Any interest in any other types of cars outside of the late model ranks? I would race anything. Yeah. I'm not too picky. I just love to be behind the wheel. So I'd race anything I've done. Um, majority super late model racing, gotten to pro late model racing when I moved out East. Um, I've done one dirt race. I don't think that counts, but it was in a cannon car. So okay, yeah. I'd like to like kind of redo that and get an actual dirt car on dirt. I think that'd be fun. Um, I think it'd be cool to go race even just like at Millbridge. Um, but so we'll see what, you know, I can come up with and, you know, just I'd get anything behind, behind anything of the wheel. So I'm just a racer at heart. So just love being out on the track. So we talked about this, just getting back to this SRX deal, because that's kind of the, the big reason why we wanted to talk to you. So the race that at Nashville fairgrounds is happening on July 9th, voting is happening right now. And it goes all the way until May 6th. And they're going to announce the winner on May 7th. Can you talk to, uh, people a little bit about how they can vote for you and uh, maybe why? 
Yeah, you can vote on National Fairgrounds Speedway website or on any of my social media. I have the links posted everywhere. Um, so you can use those votes. It is one vote per person. So we're really just trying to reach as many people as we can. And I know I have a lot of great supporters on the West Coast and now here. So really just trying to gather everybody in. And it's just a really cool opportunity. And it's one of those events that everybody across the country tunes in for. So if I can be that representative, um, not even for females, but just for, you know, the West Coast and then be you know the advocate for my sponsors Rackley and Bush um it's just a really cool opportunity and I think it'd be a lot of fun too to race a little, like a lot of those guys in that race are people I might never have a chance to race against ever again so it's just one of those once in a lifetime opportunities so Brittany we definitely want to thank you for giving us a little bit of your time um so like I said or like we said you can look at Brittany's social media look at all the team blaney stuff we're trying to basically call on all the blaney fans out there to to get behind you for this and i know steve's been been pushing it really well hopefully the hopefully the hopefully the website is up and running correctly because i know they (laughs) it crashed the first day that they went to do the vote um but uh if it's a little slow or something like that just make sure you've clicked on hers it it'll highlight it and then you go down to the bottom of the page and just fill out the information real quick there. It's a, it's a name and a phone number and I don't know, maybe an email address and that's it. So, you know, just kind of be patient with their website in case their website is slow because it's, you know, it, it, it couldn't handle the pressure on the first day, but you're, you're literally at the top of the page, which is kind of cool too, because, um, I thought they were going to do it alphabetically and they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think they went alphabetical by first name. First name. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And, yeah. So it just and worked I, out in my favor. Worked but... out real good. So yeah, I mean, anybody who's going to go ahead and vote, um, we'll, we'll try to keep reposting links through, through the team Blaney, uh, Facebook and, uh, and Twitter. Um, but like I said, just make sure it's highlighted and then go to the bottom of the page, fill it out. And then once you fill it out, it says submit right there. Boom. That's it. One time. You only got to do it once. Um, it'd be great if we could do it a couple of times. Uh, mm-hmm. we used to, we used to know a guy who could set up a computer that could vote all day. <laughs> Adam. Yeah. I was going to say, remember? can't stack the vote this time. So uh, just one vote. vote, every vote really counts. So she's still campaigning for my vote. I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> he has a, he's got, he's got, he's got a whole month, whole month to do Yeah. Decide. He's going to wait until May 6th. He'll be the one that puts you over the top. That's, That's the, right. Yeah. He wants to be. He wants yeah. to be that one. Helps you lead the last lap. Yeah. If she wins this vote somehow, we'll do a. Uh, we'll do some kind of cool giveaway on here. I'll get something signed or something. That would be okay. awesome. So that's it. Brittany Zamora, you're going to vote for her. Uh, you can find that on her social media accounts, the SRX social media accounts. So Brittany, we want to wish you luck in your next race. I think it's April 30th, the end of this month, at, at what is it, Montgomery Speedway, right in the Show Me the Money series. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So Josh, I think Steve has one very important well, yeah. question for you this before is, this, we let you guys bes- go. Besides Martinsville this week, uh, who do you got winning the masters this weekend? Um, I think Tiger's already won it and he hadn't even teed up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tiger will win, but I want him to do good. It'd be really mm-hmm. cool if he made the cut and made it all 72 holes with his leg. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like Justin Thomas. I think he's learned a lot from Tiger and I think he'll be good, but my, my favorite pick would be Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. I think he's been close, and it would give him the career grand slam, which I think would be really cool for, for him. So that's who I want to win it. If mm-hmm. none of those three, I hope it's like a 15-guy playoff and they play for like three <laughs> days because it's awesome to watch. <laughs> well, that's, that's the best part about this weekend's race. It's, uh, the weekend, this weekend's race is Saturday night. The weather looks great, so I don't think we're – well, it's going to be cold. 
but there won't be any rain or anything. So, uh, you know, you'll be able to sit back Sunday and, uh, and watch the whole thing. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go to Martinsville Thursday for truck practice in the race. And I've already planned out what time tigers teeing off and having phone charges and stuff so I can watch <laughs> mm-hmm. it in the car when I get there before I have to go up to work. <laughs> so I'll watch every second I can and definitely coming home Sunday to sit right here and watch it. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Brittany. Um, we hope to have you guys come back on again when Brittany wins this SRX fan vote. Um, but good luck. Good luck at Martinsville. Good luck getting a, a, a second clock and a third clock uh, with Zane and Ryan this weekend. I'll take every one of them I can get. We'll find a place for them. But thanks for having us. And anytime you guys ever need anything, you know, to reach out, we'll come back on whenever. Thank you, Brittany and Josh. Pleasure having you on. Good luck in this fan vote. And as we said, good luck again this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. But now, Steve, now's the time everyone's been waiting for. We can jump right back into our recap of Ryan Blaney's run this past weekend at Richmond Raceway in the Toyota Owners 400. All right. Uh, you know, this was, a, this was a fun weekend. Uh, everything is starting to come together. And uh, we start off with uh, Saturday morning. Um, there were a couple inspection issues for a couple of the cars. Uh, the 31, the 44 failed three times. Um, we had two time failures on the three, the 16, the 23, the 47. Um, I got a note here. They all lost their car chiefs. And um, I read somewhere when it's a body issue, it's an engineer. When it's something else, uh, it's typically the car chief. So that's just something to kind of think about as you hear about these things during the year. Um, three minutes into the practice, the 23 spins, and Ryan is a P3 at that point in practice, uh, about 0.159 back at the 18. Uh, you notice these practices uh, uh, so far this year, uh, Ryan's up there, but the 18 seems to be another car who's uh, really fast right off the truck. Um, Jonathan is telling Ryan about something the 18 is doing different in the corners. So this is something they kind of want to work on that maybe get a little faster and they do get a little faster. They're only about uh, 0.131 back. Uh, and uh, they ran 44 laps and uh, it's about the third fastest speed in the, in the group a uh, group, a group B does their practice. And then they go to group a qualifying and Ryan goes out 17th of the 18 cars in group a and um, beforehand, um, Ryan, Josh discuss what lines the other people are taking. So he kind of gets an idea of what to do come to the green. Um, Ryan only wins one lap uh, in this first uh, qualifying thing and puts it right to P1. And uh, so he's going to run for the pole. The top five in that were the 12, the 43, the 8, the 14, and the 24. And Notab- what's nice is he saved the tires by I was say, running that second lap. Was he? I think he might have been the only one to do that. And even the the announce, you know, the t- the TV broadcast. I think Boyer was like, "Shut it down! <laughs> don't mm-hmm. even don't even bother running that second lap because uh, it was so far beyond what everybody else in Group A had done at that point." Yeah. So Group B goes, and the top five in Group B were the one, the four, the twenty, the eighteen, and the ten. And the big note I had from that is the one, the four, and the twenty actually ran a faster lap time in that session than Ryan did. So coming to pole qualifying, he was going to have to definitely beat those guys. But once again, I think all of them ran a second lap, including the four. And if I'm not mistaken, the four car actually had a better time on the first lap. He didn't have to run the second lap. So I was definitely a little worried. It was like, it seemed like group B overall. And I don't know if it's just because the track was rubbering up a little bit more or, you know, the clouds changed or something, but overall it seemed like that group was quicker than a, and maybe a little bit nervous, but you, like you're saying, kind of had it in the back pocket that Ryan had only run the one lap and everybody else had done two. So um, he goes uh, 
fifth in the, in the, in this qualifying, he's the last guy of the group a guys. And he puts up a, a lap of 22.541 with five goes guys to go. And it's very kind of similar to uh, uh, the week prior where he's done. And he just kind of stand there watching, watching one guy do it, watching the next guy do it. And uh, sure enough, he gets another poll, you know, the next five guys, nobody uh, gets close enough. I mean, the times are extremely close. Don't get me wrong, but yep. uh, you know, Ryan, uh, and uh, Ryan does a little interview afterwards and he says that he called it an ugly lap, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah. And I think he had mentioned in some other interviews that, you know, the, the lap that he ran in this qualifying session was not going to be anything like a lap that he would run in the race, but I uh, mentioned it earlier in the interview with Josh, just the stats, just astounding. You know, these, this is four straight front row spot or starts for this 12 team but three straight poles and sessions that held qualifying because you have to remember that Atlanta rained out qualifying. So um, just an unbelievable run when it comes to, you know, having speed off the truck and what Jonathan Hassler and in the Penske crew back at the shop is, is being able to prepare the car, the engineers, everybody that's setting everything up in the simulator and the simulator work that he and Ryan are doing during the week, preparing for these races. It's just been incredibly impressive and um, has been, been awesome to see every week makes a lot of headlines and turns a lot of heads. So, mm -hmm. um, awesome to see Ryan up front every week. Um, we got, uh, stages of 70 230 and 400 on Sunday, uh, nine sets of tires, a fuel window of 125 to 135 laps. Uh, fuel's not going to be the issue on the day. Uh, tires are definitely going to be what, what people are going to want and worry about. Um, they get pit stall number one, which is always awesome. Um, and during the morning, there's unapproved adjustments on the two car. So he goes to the rear also. Uh, and right off the bat, we start the race. And of course, Ryan leads the lap one. And, and uh, that is his seventh race of the season. He's led at least one lap um, every race, which is a great little stat to have too. Um, and 10 laps in, we get a caution for the 45 car having no power. Um, they call his Mustang, which is staying out on this day and, uh, about four or five cars do pit, but, uh, you know, they, uh, talk about, uh, where the 24 and the 18 are running kind of the cars right behind him. So he kind of gets an idea of what kind of line to run to keep them from getting to him. Uh, the beach ball effect is kind of going to be an effect all day here, except for cars who get fresher tires. So, you know, if you can run the same line as the guy behind you, you can kind of keep him there, even if he's a little faster. I mean, the only time you, he's going to get by is when he's way faster, or has better grip. Um, so, I mean, we, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because, you know, we don't have nothing really happening here by lap 30. He's got like a half, quarter second lead, but uh, they're just, Josh is telling him, maintain your gap, take care of your tires. Um, you know, we get, uh, lap 70 <laughs> win stage one. I mean, nothing really, uh, substantial happens there. He just makes sure that he holds the lead, starts to stretch the lead, um, maintaining the gap. Uh, nobody else, you know, there's no real pitting during that first stage. Since it's a shorter stage, we didn't have a competition caution to worry about. Um, so like, uh, he won stage one, um, they, uh, I think they lapped like 10 cars, which is kind of cool. Got rid of some guys right off the bat. Um, 1.6 second lead, uh, when, when he ended the stage, that was definitely the um, benefit of starting up front. And one thing Ryan talked about a lot between qualifying and the race was the importance of saving tires and being the leader. He really only had to press to push, to get the lead and then just try to maintain a little bit while everybody else behind him is really jockeying for position and trying to get to second 
and they've, they've used their tires up a little bit more than Ryan did. So from there, he kind of would cruise because it would be a little close for the first few laps. And then he'd get out, like you said, to that, you know, one, two second lead, start lapping folks and um, car. Uh, it'll change a little bit later on, but the car handles great in clean air. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do um, the interview on, on TV with uh, boy with uh, Clint Boyer, which is awesome because uh I'm listening to the scanner. So I get it like 30 seconds before it hits TV. And uh, if you ever want to play a great drinking game with, uh, with Mr. Boyer, uh, the, the term hot rod, uh, you have fast hot rod. You got a fast hot rod. And uh, if he says about Ryan's car, you have to drink twice. So, you know, um, <laughs> and he did do that right during the interview. So um, they do slight uh, air pressure adjustments here and they pit first and come out first. Great stop uh, to start to start, start the day off for sure. Yes. Uh, all day long, pit crew was awesome. Um, There's only one time later on and it wasn't them. <laughs> it was something about a new pit stop. And it was kind of miraculous. And we'll, yeah. we'll cover that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the 24 car literally had trouble with the right rear wheel on that stop. Um, and they mentioned that I know we covered this heavily when it was happening, the 12 team, but uh, what Chad Canals is on the broadcast this week. And he actually brought up the fact that the way that they can set up these, these new cars and, you know, heard it here first on the team Blaney podcast, that if they set it up a little bit differently, it messes with the clearances on the tires and this kind of stung the, the 24 team. So mm-hmm. you can see it wasn't only something happening, happening here. So unfortunate to see, and, uh, glad that it wasn't affecting us this week. Um, at uh, lap 85, that has a, a vibration under the braking um, that he didn't have early on. And he does, uh, it just makes TV a little bit too, because like, a bunch of different guys have the issue, but it, it's a gremlin that does go away actually at some point later on. So, um, but at lap 100, um, he's managing the gap. He's got like almost a second lead back to the one car. And literally, like I said, 15 laps after he initially noticed it, the shaking went away. Um, at lap 105, the one and 20 are actually battling for second behind him. Now we start getting into lap traffic. So some of these guys, lap traffic ends up being an issue uh, with these strategies too, where, uh, you know, you, you know, if you can get through it quicker than the guy that's behind you, you can get a little bit more of a gap. But then again, if they get through it quicker than you did, and they start to gain on you a little bit and it has nothing to do with how good the car, you know, is handling. It's just, you know, how, how good you could get around somebody. Uh, lap 115 is not turning as well, he says but he still has about a 1.1 second lead um, at lap uh, 125 at this point, only 27 cars are on the lead lap and the 19 pits under green. So here we go. We're going to start doing some green flag pitting. Now that 19 was the first one to dive to pit road in this stage. And it ends up being a huge move being the first one. You're talking about a second to a second and a half, a lap faster on the fresh tires and you know, if you were only two or three seconds back of the leader to begin with, and you dive in two laps or three laps before he does, you're going to gain that back on the track when he comes to pit. So um, this pretty next, much kicks off yeah. what the rest of this race will be based on, which is all strategy on pit road the rest yeah. of the way through, which I mentioned, you know, when we talked to Josh, Sometimes it's kind of nice for a race fan, especially when it comes to racing at Richmond, which can't always be, even with this new car, didn't turn out to be super exciting. But just if you were paying attention to the strategies and that's something you're interested in, it kept you 
I don't know. It's not just not on the edge of your seat, but at least interested to see what was going to happen next and uh, what strategy moves different teams would, would take on the rest of the way. Yeah. Now takes uh, three or four laps later, but uh, lap 129, they do come in and pit. And literally these pit calls are quick. It's just, you know, bring it to me, bring it to me, you know, um, with almost no warning. Um, luckily they're spread out in kind of single file racing to begin with. So they're already in a lane where they can get down there to pit road. Uh, pretty clean in and out on that one. Uh, by lap 134, they're still pitting. Um, and uh, they did about 50 laps on those tires. So, um, you know, he's kind of complaining about the traffic and so forth. But at lap 140, uh, Jonathan tells him he's one of the f- fastest cars <laughs> on, on the track at that point. Um, and they're, you know, P7 back on the lead lap by that point. So they it cycled through. They got back. But, you know, like I said, they've lost – uh, that time to the 19 because the 19 to dove earlier than everybody else. And that works out sometimes, but if there's a caution in between there, it doesn't work out. So, uh, you know, he's three seconds back in the 19 for that position. And that's literally those two or three laps that, uh, that they not docked in early, uh, lap 143 passes the threes up to fifth, 144 passes the 10 up to fourth, 149, he passes the 11, he's up to third. Uh, it's complaining about being tight. Um, Lap 154, uh, the 20 pits. So he's up to second at this point. So he's he's chased down everybody that he needed to in that cycle, except for that 19 car. Um, he's about 3.1 seconds back of him at lap 155. And uh, lap 160, he's about 2.6 seconds back of the 19. So he's gained a little bit of them. But, you know, once again, the tires are, he says the tires are blown off. <laughs> you know, cause he's been trying to pass all these cars and lap, lap traffic and everything else. Um, and at lap 163, Jonathan tells him he's about another 15, uh, laps from pitting again. So, you know, he's trying to manage the tires, trying not to, you know, destroy them and still run good lap times. And that's, that's tougher to do than, you know, uh, lap 175, uh, the 22 does pass him and he's in third at this place. And then right away, they says, just come on and pit pit now um and the green flag cycle continues for everybody at this point uh lap 180 he's back to eighth uh with five cars in front of him um on a one pit strategy so uh you know he should catch some of those guys one and he, he starts to uh 181 he passes the three for seventh 184 passes the one for sixth um i think this is where we get the incident with the one car if I'm not mistaken, because uh, he ends up losing a position to the one back to seventh. <laughs> um, and we talked about it a little bit, but yeah, basically there's, and Josh said that there are some moves that happened prior to that, but yeah, Ryan described it as he kind of got loose under Ross, pushed up the track, got yeah. past him. Ross came, you know, back right up to Ryan's bumper and, and kind of moves Ryan up the track. So I think the important thing to message, I mean, we were talking about, you know, being aggressive and that kind of thing. They aren't crashing each other here um he wasn't you know ross didn't do what he did to aj just completely drive him through out up into the wall or in that case out into the rocks so um it was just not can't even call it friendly nudging but they were showing their frustration between each other and it's short even though richmond hasn't raced like a true short track in a long time it's you know short track mentality and mm-hmm. uh, i think ryan you know just kind of wanted to stand his ground and i called it you know that rare moment of blaney retaliation and 
I was okay with it. It was, it was actually uh, refreshing to see. And I think a lot of Blaney fans who constantly are calling for him to stand up for himself. Uh, he finally did. And I'm sure that that made a lot of folks kind of happy. And um, I think if he keeps it in this form the rest of the year, I'm okay with it. I don't want him to, you know, be labeled as a, as a dirty driver. And I I've said before here on social media, I think Ryan respects his equipment too much to kind of go over the line. So but we'll see. Uh, but it, it, that doesn't come into play for several more laps, you know, later on. But this was the incident that kind of kicked it off. Uh, lap 190, the top five is the 20, the 19, the 11, the one and the 12. And the nine and the one are on that same strategy as the 12 car. Um, they're about seven tenths quicker than the 20. But, you know, there's, you know, only 40 to go at this point. So he's got a, you know, a long way before he would catch him. Um Lap 197 talks about being a little too loose all of a sudden uh, from the last set of changes on that stop. Um, at lap 210, he passes the 11 car, gets up to fourth, and uh, Martin passed the 20 uh, for uh, for the lead at lap 212. So at lap 215, top five now is the 19, the 20, the 1, the 4, and the 22. Um, and Ryan does pass the 22 here to get to fifth. Um, so at lap 230, the 19 wins the stage and Ryan is fifth. So we've got a stage win and a fifth place in, in the second stage, uh, pretty good points right on, right off the bat. Two weeks in a row where, um, just through starting on pole, winning the stages, um, you mentioned he won that first stage. That was his third stage win of the season, which ties him with, with Truex, who in that case won his third of the season just then, um, so they're just banking, banking tons of points right here. And it's just, you know, as soon as they uh, can pull into victory lane, they're going to be in, in really good position for the playoffs. And I know we're only seven races in, but never too early to talk about points. That's right. Um, discussion here is about being way too loose. Jonathan talks about doing an adjustment to help with rear grip a little bit here on this pit stop. Um, and uh, so they are pitting in fifth and come out sixth here okay now not on the not on their pit crew this is when the 18 car with the new pit stop sets the world record for the fastest pit stop in nascar history um, yeah nine I'm, point I'm mocking i'm mo- yeah i'm mocking a little bit because it depends on who you talk to some people are saying that no it wasn't but yeah 9.19 seconds for a four tire pit stop now like you're saying maybe it's setting the fastest pit stop in this new era in the next gen era, mm-hmm. uh, because it's completely different without the, the five, five lugs on and off. So, but impressive because it, they honestly, the, the JGR crews kind of went off to a shaky start. Their, mm-hmm. their first trip down pit road with the teams that, that were doing this new choreography where essentially the entire pit crew runs out in front of the car and they kind of swing the hose so the, the person that's changing the rear tire and the person changing the front tire actually end up swapping, go, goes to the rear and goes to the front mm-hmm. on the other side. So I didn't explain it's, it perfectly well, but it's, it, it's fun it's, to watch them because different. all four guys, all four guys, when they're on the uh, outside of the car, all run around the nose of the car in yep. single file order to the, to the other side. So yeah, the guy doing the right front uh, tire he ends up doing the left the rear. rear tire. He got, he leads the, the train basically around the car. And it's kind of cool to watch as you watch them do that. As long as it's done right. Um, talking to a couple people, 
uh, pit road people that uh, are saying, you're going to see some other teams try and do this. Um, they definitely saw that it was worth that couple tenths of a second difference. Um, the only thing is it's going to be situational because some of these pit boxes and who you're pitting around are going to make a huge, huge difference. And that's because when they do go around the front of the car, they throw the air hoses way out there yep. so that that one guy can get all the way around to that uh, uh, right rear from the front of the car. And if you throw that air hose way out there and the next guy comes in and around you to do his pit stop and you're already in your box, he possibly with his left front tire could hit that air hose. And Martinsville is one of those places you don't, you know, you, it's real tight on pit road. Indianapolis is one that's real tight on pit road. So you're not going to want that to happen. Um, and you may not pit that way just based on that to keep that from happening. And they have to be perfect. And like I was saying, their first trip down pit road earlier in the race, the 20 car from JGR did the normal stop. The other three teams did this new choreography and the 20 car actually had the fastest stop of the group mm -hmm. this time around. Like you said, the 18 crew at 9.19 seconds sets the, the new, the new record for a four tire pit stop in NASCAR. I'll say in the next gen era, new record overall, if we're just simply calling it a four tire stop, but we know it's completely different. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the 12 team did have a, had, had like a 10.2, 10.28 stop or something this mm -hmm. week was their, their fastest stop of the day, which is still pretty dang fast. But mm -hmm. when they could, you can potentially gain a whole, that was basically a whole second slower than what the 18 crew did, but that's just because of the different choreography. So it's definitely something to explore. You got to perfect it. I'm just, you know, for these pit crew members, man, it has to be tough learning both and not making a mistake. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if there's a point, I know you're saying it's situational. I don't know if there's a point when they have to stick with one or if, since these guys are so specialized now, a lot of, I know Penske, a lot of the Penske guys are only focusing on cup stops. Now they've stopped dabbling in Xfinity races. So maybe they have more time to focus, but man, it's, I don't know. It makes me uh, nervous or makes me, uh, I would never want to be a pit crew member because just the, I don't know. It's what they do. It's how they make their living. They're, they're good yeah. at what they do, but man, it's gotta be tough out there. Mm -hmm. um, so on this restart here, Ryan is uh, on the top, uh, takes the, top he's in row three and the leader is i think the i got a 14 here on the bottom or 19 i'm sorry on the bottom and um they restart at lap 240 and ryan does take care of the one at this point um he's faster than the one anyway and uh, he just kind of makes sure that the one doesn't race around him the rest of the day we're saying it wasn't uh, too bad he just but it was kind of classic bump and run so just kind of yeah. moved him out of the way and the one actually ends up fading a little bit after that move too so yeah so um, lap, uh, 246 with a caution for the 51. Everybody kind of stays out here. Um, uh, 19 is leading at this point. Like, uh, he takes the bottom and Ryan's on the, on the top here in row two. Uh, and one thing quick to, to note about that. I think they said this thing with the 51 was the first two car incident at Richmond in like multiple years, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so by lap 255, um, Ryan's in sixth with after that restart at lap 258, there's a caution for the two car. Um, and they do pit here. Um, they, they were going to pit and uh, goes in sixth, comes out third. So for whatever dancing and everything else that the uh, Gibbs teams were doing, uh, the 12 crew 
match them pretty easily and actually beat a couple guys out. Um, and then Jonathan talks about if it stays green, probably only one more stop at a, uh, about 70 laps. Um, so they're on, they're on a two-stop strategy at this point in the third stage. Uh, P6 for the cone. Um, 24's leader takes the bottom. Ryan takes the top in row three. And uh, they restart at lap 263. Uh, by lap 265, he's up to fourth with the 24 leading. And at lap 267, uh, passes the 99, gets up to third. <clears throat> so at this point, the top five is the 24, the 19, the 12, the 11, and the 18. Lap 272, the 11 passes. So he's back to fourth. Lap 273, the 18 passes. So he's up to fifth. Um, four, at this point, four of the top six cars are all Gibbs cars. So they figured out something. Um, <clears throat> whether it was a little extra tape on the grill, who knows? <laughs> um, at lap, <laughs> lap 290, uh, Jonathan tells them that turns one and two are pretty good. They're just having a little trouble getting off of four. So then, you know, if they do, when they do come in and make an adjustment for that at lap 300, they've got about 40 laps on their tires. Um, and here at lap 307, this pit cycle thing starts changing things. Uh, the 20, the three, the four, the 11, the 24, they all pit. Ryan gets up to fourth a lap or two later. He's up to third, um, with, with some of these cars cycling in and pitting. Um, and, uh, he's about excuse me, 5.9 seconds back of the 19 at this point, the lap 320, they go ahead and pit. Um, they nail this stop too. They do pretty good. They come out pretty much right where they were. Uh, they forced the 19 and the 18 to, to come in. Um, and they actually beat the 18 off this whole pit cycle. They end up on the pit cycle itself coming out in front of the 18, um, lap 326. Uh, he's about 10 right now. Some of the cars haven't pitted yet about five seconds back of the 19. And I'm looking at the 19 at this point, because at that point it's, it's him and the 19 on that strategy. So he's, you know, can he chase him down? Uh, lap 333, the 24 is leader. The, um, the 18 does pass Ryan at this point. <clears throat> yeah. He, lap, yeah. Yeah. Good. Which I was going to say the 18 was fast. Like you said, to, to start the weekend off and uh, he was running a pretty great race. It seemed like Kyle might be able to, to make some noise. Yeah. Um, at lap 335, uh, the five passes is in 12th. Now, mind you, like I said, these cars passing him are not because he's slower than anybody else. It's because they might be on a different tire strategy than he's on. Um, lap 340, uh, 336, he passes the nine. He's up to 11th. At lap 340, he passes 17. He's up to 10th. Lap 341, he passes the eight. He's up to ninth. Lap 345, uh, the 20... He's 20 laps in on tires. And this is where we find out about the 18s penalty with tape on the grill that took him 222 laps to penalize him for, um, lap 350, he's up to eight and there's some cars pitting now. So there with 50 to go, some cars start to pit again. And, um, this is, uh, uh you know, pretty big for the 11. This is the winning um, strategy right here. And this is kind of where everybody is confused as to why this was the strategy the 19 car was on the first go round here and then they they abandon it this time mm -hmm. uh, which is very notable here and uh yeah it's just i mean it, like you said it, a caution can change everything um but the way this is going to go the race just continues to play out here so this is like i was saying it's really cool to see teams on like two and three different strategies a one stop two stop three stop 
Um, mm -hmm. in this, in this case, this is when the 11 and them decide they, to come in and get fresh tires and see if they can make a run to the finish. Yeah. Now the, um, so at lap 352 is in fifth and lap 353, a lap later, he's up to fourth with all these things happening. Um, lap 370, I've got a top, top five here where it's the 24, the 19, the five, the 12 and the 11. So at this point, the 11 is back out there. He's chasing people down. Um, actually the four car is running sixth at this point. So he's on that same strategy as the 11, um, at lap 375, Ryan does say the tires are destroyed, you know, and, uh, he's just trying to make sure he keeps them on the car by the end of the race. Um, the 11 and the four both pass him. Ryan's back to six at this point, uh, lap, uh, 383, the 20 passes the, uh, and he's back to seventh at this point, the 24 is still leading, but, uh, like I said, the 11, you can hear the jaws music. Uh, he's coming at uh, lap 395, the 11 passes the 24 for the lead. And Ryan is in seventh at this point. And, uh, the 11 does win the race and Ryan ends up, uh, seventh for the day, which is his highest finish in a cup series at Richmond. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, we were so excited last year uh, in that fall race at Richmond where he passed Austin Dillon on the last lap to get to 10th. And I remember just the elation that I had for that. But just the way that this team has been this year, it's like the bar is just so high that it was just so weird for for at least, you know, a few minutes. I was disappointed because it's like, man, we, we got the pole, won the first stage. And then it was just strategies. Strategies just didn't didn't play out the way that you know maybe Jonathan wanted to, to happen, and it's unfortunate. But there'll be races this year where it does play perfectly into their hands. I'm sure. So it was just so funny, like being upset, you know, with this team finishing seventh when before their average finish going into even with their eleventh and tenth place finishes last year, his average finish going into this race was still like twenty two point four. So huge points day again i think i think what they got like 47 total points last week i think they got 46 or something this week something like that um come out of this race i know it's different from the playoff standings coming out of this race tied for the points lead uh in the nascar cup series so like i said if they just pull into victory lane here they're gonna be really really good position for the playoffs they're not tied for the I know it shows them tied, but he, well, yeah, he's, he's it's a tiebreaker. I think he's got he's got three playoff points. Yes, that, that, correct. That, that uh, Chase doesn't have. So uh, I always look at that too because once they do reset for the playoffs, those points become hugely important each round because each round gets reset and you get those points back and you get that advantage um, where you know you you start in the next uh, set of the playoffs with those points. So yeah, I mean. Those three stage wins right now are looking huge. The points are looking awesome. It has led lap more laps than anybody else. Led laps in every race so far this season. Number one in the points. I mean, everything right now is looking great. Um, if it keeps uh, people off from this weekend coming up, it could be another great weekend. Uh, I got um, for our friends at Auto Racing Analytics uh, sent me the breakdown this week. Um, once again, he's on uh, he's on Twitter at um, at a r underscore analytics and uh he said he like i said he sent me statistical breakdown um of ryan this weekend uh second fastest car per median lap for the whole race ninth fastest in the fourth quarter um and once again like i said running in traffic and um uh you know having to be out on tires longer than other people probably makes a big difference on that uh, 
plus two positions gained on the restarts and 80 83% restart retention rate. So pretty good on his restarts. Um, and season long so far this season, of course, he's the fastest car, uh, per average median lap and the third fastest car in fourth quarter on average fourth quarter of the race. Uh, he's gained 42 spots on restarts this season, which is actually eighth in the cup series. Of course, um, when you're leading the race and doing restarts, you, yep. you can't get, you can't gain spots. So that statistic might be a little bit slanted just because he's led so many, uh, so many laps and, and, and so many restarts. Um, he's got a 70.4 restart retention rate in, in cup this year, which is 13th best. Once again, same thing, uh, you know, unless you lead all the laps, um, leading from the front sooner or later losing it, you know? Um, but, uh, he did send me a kind of a note on that, um, that, uh, he's a 3.5 place speed on average per median lap, but 6.7 place uh, in fourth quarters of races. So, um, you know, what he's saying basically is if they carry that early race speed through the whole race, they, you know, they're going to win some races. And, uh, I'm sure that that's something they're working on, uh, every week. Uh, and, uh, you know, this week could be the week. Uh, this is one of those tracks that they definitely can pull it off, but that's auto racing analytics on Twitter. It's at AR underscore analytics. Uh, he not only sends me those statistics every week, but he uh, posts some different things about the race itself and uh, some of the other people and what they've did, done. So make sure you check him out on Twitter. The more followers, uh, you know, uh, the more stuff he's going to put out for us. I'm sure he's followed by some pretty important people too. Jeff Gluck, Corey, the joy are following him. So um, Matt Weaver from uh, racing America. So, you know, there's some people that are definitely uh, diving into those stats every week. And, uh, I'm, I'm so glad he's uh, sending them to us. And like you said, this, this 12 team is leading or high in so many statistical categories that the win is coming and it would be fitting that they do it this weekend. And why not this weekend as the NASCAR cup series heads to Martinsville speedway for the first time this season for the blue emu maximum pain relief 400 Take note this week, if you're making plans, this race is on Saturday, Saturday, April 9th at Martinsville Speedway. Race is at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch it on FS1. I think this might be uh, the first race this season. Is it the first race this season or is this past race on FS1 as well? I can't remember, but they had been on Fox going, you know, from Daytona all the way till now. So this might be the first race this season on FS1 You can catch it on the radio on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. I said that this would be the perfect perfect place for Ryan to pick up that victory because statistically this is one of his best tracks on the circuit in 12 starts at Martinsville Speedway. Ryan has five top five finishes, six top tens, an average start of 7.8, an average finish of 10.8, 372 total laps led, uh, including 157 laps led in the spring race last year. Um, he went on to finish with a pair of uh, 11th place finishes in both races last year. But prior to that, he had a pair of second place finishes, including one of those where he started on the pole. So 12 team historically has been fast at Martinsville. I know early on in the season, I kept saying maybe previous stats don't mean anything, but the way that Ryan's taken to this next gen car, maybe they do. <laughs> um, and, and maybe he will be even better than he's been in the past at some of these places. Just seems he's really taken to this car. And the way that this raced at um, that I'm really looking forward to, because this is the first true short track. I know we we're at a technically a short track this past weekend at Richmond. This is a real half mile short track, you know, not high banking and 
maybe uh, we got a taste of what this could be at the Coliseum. I really think these cars, the drive off that these cars are going to get from what I saw at the Coliseum might really make this race at Martinsville really interesting when these guys get off the turns and go down the straightaway. And they're going to be screaming down the straightaway because these cars have so much a bigger brake package than they ever had before that they could probably dive deeper into these corners than they ever did previously. Um, what are you looking forward to in this race, Steve? I'm looking forward to being there. <laughs> there you go. First we're race going, this year, right? First race we're heading to this year. Um, weather's looking uh, cold, but clear. So we're going to, you know, we're going to be able to be there. And, uh, you know, whenever we go to races, we've had some nice luck and seen some great finishes. You know, uh, we saw the second at Indianapolis last year and we've seen the, we saw the win at Daytona and we saw the Roval win. So um, just want to have a good night, you know, um, winning the race is uh, ultimately the goal, of course, every week. And they're definitely showing that they can do that, but Hey, let's just have a good night. It's only 400 laps too, by the way. Um, not your normal 500 lap, uh, Martinsville race. So, um, uh, maybe it's the fact that it's a little shorter, be even better, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned it's going to be cold, but no snow this time. Right. I think you, uh, no, we were there. Yeah. The time it snowed a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. We, we drove all the way down through the snow. We we're the, uh, crazy people from Ohio who know how to handle the snow and driving in the snow. And we, we made it there, you know, but. So, so because of the race happening on Saturday, uh, the NASCAR uh, Camping World Truck Series race is actually going to happen on Thursday night. Uh, for the Cup Series, practice is going to happen Friday. You can catch that 44.30 p.m. Eastern time. So it's an evening practice because, again, this is going to be a night race. So Group A and B will go out there. 4.30 p.m. qualifying is going to kick off at 5 with two rounds. And like just like last week, because this is a short track, two laps that they'll get in qualifying here. Um, like you said, Ryan started on the front row, four straight times, three straight pulls. I said, the bar is higher than it's ever been for the 12 team. I'm not going to say they're going to go out there and start on the pole, but I think it's really important every race to at least try to get into the top five in your group and have a chance to run for the pole. Because from there you're guaranteed a top 10 starting position and on a short track at Martinsville, you're going to want to start out front because the laps click off so fast and the leader catches the back of the pack so fast it's going to be really important to come to this race get through inspection cleanly uh, because you don't want to have to start in the back uh, you don't want to get damage in practice that you're going to have to fix and start in the back because that really puts you behind um, might see some more cautions might maybe not i think they're going to be a little bit more physical we saw a lot of physical racing happening at the coliseum obviously on that quarter mile track didn't see that much physical activity outside of uh, maybe that one incident that we've, I feel like we've, you know, being a dead horse on with Ryan and Ross, but I don't, I don't know. Do you think that the, the racing is going to get a little bit more physical than it's been all year long? I know the road course at Coda had some moments, but here's a, their true test of short track racing with the next gen car. Yeah, actually, I think they will be a little more physical, especially uh, getting up underneath somebody because they do not have to worry about cut tires as much as they they did in, in years past uh, with this body and the shape and 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 the composite body. Uh, <clears throat> we haven't how many cut tires have we seen so far this year from somebody rubbing into somebody? Man, so few. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think that they're going to be a little more aggressive just based on that, knowing that they can get away with uh, bumping into somebody. So. 
So again, the NASCAR Cup Series is headed to Martinsville Speedway for the spring race here, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400, Saturday, 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 April 9th, Martinsville Speedway, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can watch the race on FS1, listen to it on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And if you have no other plans on Friday night, you can watch practice and qualifying starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. Steve, I had one of my best fantasy races last week. Um, went into this race with such high hopes, had ended up with a stellar starting lineup, um, which I'll go through, but man, I just fell flat on my face when it came to the bonus picks. And I think it really cost me an opportunity to finish really, really well this week at Richmond. So let's go ahead and do our recap of the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. My starters this week, Ross Chastain, William Byron, Kyle Bush, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick. I, at one point, I actually had Eric Jones in the starting lineup, but I pulled him out of there and put him back into the garage, actually elevated Ryan into the lineup after he won that stage and um, was looking good to get a good finish in the second stage. That's when I, I pulled the trigger, moved Jones out, put Ryan in. Um, so all of them, Chastain got me 34 points, Byron 43, Bush 37, Ryan 46, as I said earlier, Kevin Harvick 40 points. But this is where it messed up. My featured matchups here, I picked uh, Kyle Busch over Alex Bowman. That was wrong. I picked Chastain over Tyler Reddick. That didn't pan out. I picked Larson over Truex. That didn't pan out. And some of these, the the Bowman, Busch, and the Larson, Truex were just by one position here. And then, uh, man, this is the the one. Actually, I, I, I kind of went back and forth on this early uh, before I set my lineup. I picked Joey Logano over Denny Hamlin and regretting that one <laughs> just a little bit there so i was oh for four on the bonus picks and man if i just had a few of those i think i would have had a, a much better showing this week how'd things go for you i am um, i beat you by three points i was just <laughs> i didn't realize i just checked that out um and i only had one of the bonus picks right but uh i did have truex and i had ryan in and they were the top two point guys during the day so uh those two guys um the garage thing didn't really make big difference. I had, um, Logano in the garage and Briscoe, you know, Briscoe got me 26 points and Logano would have got me 30. So it's only about a three or four point difference. So that part wasn't too bad. Cause I forgot to check again. Um, it happens. <laughs> I got to set an alarm or something. Um, so, you know, uh, 203 points is okay. It's not great compared to, you know, what some of the other people did here in the top 10, but you know, I'm, I'm plotting my way back toward the top 10 for the, for the overall. So. So let's take a look at the top 10 and points earned this past week at Richmond raceway for the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy live league. And I'm seeing some new names here pop up into the top 10 this week, which we always tell people that can happen at any time. So holding down the first position in points earned at Richmond, we have moose 1616 with 241 points in second smoke show, 571, 237 points in third cash with a K 730, 236 points in third, the nutty gamer, 236 these are all tied for third. Uh, the Dalai Lama four, two thirty-six. in tied for six. We have Blaniac 10 and Bulldog zero, two, seven, seven with 233 points in eighth. We have the real BG YRB 227 point in ninth in ninth. Sorry. Go Larson 225 points rounding out the top 10 here. Socks a 65, 224 points. 
Uh, worth mentioning after that, we have a, a four-way tie for 11th that once again, I'm losing in the household here. My wife, uh, Rogers T on there, tied for 11th there with 221 points. So I know you you said last week there's a possibility she might have been looking over my lineups, which I can't guarantee that she didn't do that. Maybe she just got the bonus picks right and I, and I failed to do that. Um, I don't even know. Where did we end up? I ended up 46th on the week with 200 points there and you ended up tied for 43rd on the week with 203 points so not too great for your two team blaney podcast hosts there when it came to picks at richmond let's take a look though at the overall league standings in first we have super mod with 1315 points in second bulldog 0277 13 or 1310 points third the nutty gamer 1308 fourth joe lopez one 1306 fifth moose hunter 1960 1284 Six Bath Mom four one thousand two hundred and seventy seven seventh Eric D fifteen one thousand two hundred seventy two eighth the defending champion Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing one thousand two hundred sixty three the ninth position here your team Mez twelve one thousand two hundred sixty one rounding out the top ten in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League after Richmond Bry Gal twelve one thousand two hundred and fifty two points. And man, this is where basically where I hung around the entire season last year in the 40s. And I'm right there, 40th position, Team Blaney host Adam, 1,145 points. Like we said, the Cup Series is heading to Martinsville this weekend. Anybody specifically is a, is a or are you waiting for practice of qualifying to see if there's anyone that you specifically think needs to be a, a must start or you're like a lock of the week for you? I'm yeah, I'm a, uh, now that we have practicing qualifying to look at it's, it's makes it more interesting. Um, so I, I will kind of wait, although, you know, look what Gibbs did this past weekend. Um, and, and, you know, look at, uh, the guys who like, like this track, you know, Denny, Martin, Joey, um, are all really good here and have won here. And, uh, you know, this is going to be one of those ones I think where, you get near the end and you're running second, you got to put yourself in that position and maybe put the bumper to somebody. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's 12 car doing it, or hopefully he's far enough out in front of everybody else where he doesn't have to worry about it. You know, but, uh, this could be a good weekend for them. You know, every week right now they show up and they do the practice. Um, they're just really impressive. They, they unload the car. He gets out there and a lap or two in They're really good or right at the top of the board or close to the top of the board. And by the end of the practice, they're the top five and 10 and 15 lap average guy. And they ran all the laps and, you know, got as much practice on, on you know, so setting up the car and, and Ryan driving this new style car seemed to be going really, really well. Hopefully that doesn't change, you know, coming into the weekend. Well, Steve, hope you have a great weekend this week as you head down to Martinsville speedway for this race. Uh, good luck to Ryan Blaney and the team I'd like to thank once again, uh, Josh Williams, Ryan spotter and, uh, his better half, Brittany Zamora, who's in the voting. She's a voting, uh, a person you can vote for to run the SRX SRX race in Nashville fairground speedway. As we mentioned earlier, don't forget to go on there and cast your vote for her, but want to thank them and want to thank everyone else. Once again, for tuning into this episode of the team Blaney podcast, if you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, check out our debut episode from our very first season that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Twitter and Facebook at team Blaney and on Instagram at team.blaney. 
And then finally, we encourage you to help support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on all of their active social media channels. And Steve's been working behind the scenes to try uh, to hopefully set up with an interview with some folks from the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation again who can come on and I think chat about some of their uh, their their uh, charitable efforts they have coming up this year yeah next week uh hopefully next week's podcast we'll have a couple of special guests and uh we just want to tease it like that we're not going to say who just yet uh tune in and see let's do that and uh they'll be talking about the, the, the golf outing at top golf coming up in uh in may but for now and for my co-host steve mez i'm adam rogers we'll catch you next time right here on the team blaney podcast good night brussels good night dublin Oh, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.